Hi there, and welcome to another episode of African Business Stories, your insight into female innovators and entrepreneurs building and running businesses in Africa. I am Akego Koye, and on the show today, I will be chatting with Vivian Waka, the CEO of Medzaf, a health tech company giving hospitals, pharmacies, and patients access to high-quality medication. In a country where 30% of drugs sold is fake or substandard, this is a big deal. Let's get into it. So you were born and raised in Chicago, um, I read. um, And I was just wondering, what did you study in college and what kind of work were you doing before you started your MBA? Um, Yeah, definitely. So um, I've always been a fan of just understanding the human psychology how people think, why they do what they do, mm-hmm. but also um, how that impacts societies. So how do groups of people or societies of people or individuals work together to achieve? You know, that's always been something quite interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign uh, in the middle of the cornfields, and I was a psychology slash sociology major with a minor in African-American studies, okay. you know, interesting classes on the African family or African-American families and et cetera. And those were the types of things that were quite interesting to me. Um, though the honest truth is I wanted to be a theater major and my parents said no. Wow. So more that I'm just, you know, very much in tune to the arts um, right. and, you know, just how people think, why they do what they do. Um, and that has probably been the most helpful skill hmm. um, in my entire career. Right. Um, after ex- extru- exactly after school, I started working for Wells Fargo Financial okay. um, in their home mortgage. Department. So um, helped uh, Chicagoans uh, purchase homes, refinance homes, um, and get access to capital uh, to just kind of improve their their station and was very, very good at that. Hmm. Uh, I became like the first black woman to run a branch um, in the Midwest at the time, wow. um, right before the crash. So, hmm. you know, before crash of 2008, I was, you know, thinking that uh, real estate financing <laughs> was going to be my future and was happy to live in Chicago and, and, uh, and work on that. Great. So, so what made you decide to go to business school and, and not only that business school outside of the U S um, yeah. So during the crash, I think the very interesting thing about being in finance at that moment in time, um, especially in the mortgage industry is that the year before we were actually seeing the, the signs of crash, right? So, you know, house values in at, half of their historical prices, you know, we were seeing that before the media or the greater world even knew um, that that was happening. And for that, for me, that represented the end of the American dream. So somewhere deep in my psyche, I thought to myself, this is the end of what Hmm. I thought the United States was. At that point, I was inspired to start traveling. So um, making good money, I would just go, I would backpack and I would uh, get, I got to travel around the world. And that was one of my hobbies. So I'd save up some money, go for a week, go for two weeks, go for a week, 
friends around the world. And I actually created a blog about it called Lonely Tripping. Right. And um, that was just something I was doing on the side. Um, in the meantime, I knew that everything that I thought was going to happen or thought was the path was no longer the path. And I needed to level up my skills, um, and my capabilities. So while I was at Wells Fargo, I, I basically uh, ran a political campaign in Chicago, um, in the uh, south side of Chicago mm. for um, a Nigerian uh, American candidate. So that was me learning a whole new set of skills that I never thought I'd have. Um, we raised millions of dollars. We raised over a million dollars. We were endorsed <laughs> by the DNC, got access to Obama's um, software okay. um, of how they kind of worked on his campaign, got to to use that in our campaign, you know, endorsed by AFT, right. Chicago's teachers union. So that was a, an amazing experience. And mm-hmm. to be honest, the way that I got it was just volunteering. You know, yeah. just a guy that I went to school with, he needed volunteers to pass out flat on his campaign. And I said, yes. Um, so after the success of that campaign, hmm. um, I felt emboldened to do even more. Um, wow. So I helped start home health care agencies in Illinois and Indiana. Um, that was a great experience to kind of just introduce me to um, entrepreneurship. Uh, and as that was going, um, mm. I knew that I needed more of the basis of business. Right. I wanted more of the base, or I thought I needed more of the basis of business. Okay. But as I was also traveling around the world, I just couldn't imagine myself sitting in one place. And so I found this program right. where I got to go to Georgia State's J. Mac Robinson um, Business school, uh, the Federal University of Rio in Brazil, and the Sorbonne um, in Paris. And so I traveled yeah. around the world um, in business school with a small cohort, and it changed my life for sure. Wow. Wow. So as part of the MBA, that's such an interesting story, by the way. Um, so as part of your MBA, you you went to Nigeria for three months. And um I was just wondering why Nigeria? I mean, I, I figured that your parents are Nigerian, but is there a specific reason why you picked Nigeria to go for your internship? Yeah, no, definitely. So I knew, so I had now at this point, I'm a well-traveled traveler. Um, right. So many places at this point. I've been in China, I've been in uh, Brazil, and these were places that really inspired me. Um, China is an exciting place or was an exciting place at that moment in time. Brazil at that Mm. moment in time was exciting. It was this idea that these emerging economies could take over the world. And that was the feeling um, being in Shanghai or Beijing or Rio during these times. And of course I'm Nigerian and I, but the interesting thing is that my parents left in the seventies and said, we're not going back. So I hadn't been Nigeria yet, but here I am. Uh, There was a moment that I was in Bahia in uh, the North of Brazil and everyone was like, I'm Nigerian. I'm African. In fact, I'm Nigerian. (laughs) And, and you could see that the food and the culture and the religion is all inspired by Nigeria. I saw that with my own eyes. Mm-hmm. And 
seeing these Brazilians walking around saying, I'm Nigerian, it just made me hmm. feel a level of shame that I haven't actually been to Nigeria. So though I had no job, no clue, hmm. no whatever, I decided that my internship would be in Nigeria and I landed in Nigeria with nothing. Well, I mean, I had money, but I landed in Nigeria with no job, <laughs> which was a- an adventure. But did you have any relatives in Nigeria? Did you know anybody in Nigeria? Yeah, so I, I'll be honest, like I have an uncle that I grew up with. Um, so his okay. family lived half the time in Nigeria, okay. half the time in the U.S. I had another uncle I'd never met before. And he also lived mm-hmm. half the time in Nigeria and half elsewhere. Um, he owned a uh, like a media company. He was actually one of the first uh, cable companies in Nigeria to broadcast Nollywood movies. Um, so okay. that was really interesting to me. Um, and my other uncle was like head of uh, uh, Motorola Africa or something like that. So. I, I I got I will say I was lucky enough to be able to land in Parkview and uh, right. you know actually have a place to live. So I'm not going to pretend that I, it's just like I randomly was just struggling on the streets. <laughs> sure, sure. So where did you do your internship? Well, I, I think the very interesting thing about Nigeria is is I couldn't find a job to save my life. Like I I applied to places before getting to Nigeria. No no feedback, no, no information. Um, I reached out to people on LinkedIn. Um, and then when I got to Nigeria, I realized that what is up is not the same as what, you know, like this just not the same thing. And that was so surprising to me, right? Um, what you think is supposed to be something is just completely different. And so definitely made some mistakes in, in just who right. I should have reached out to or talked to, um, et cetera, at the time. And couldn't find a job, couldn't even get a job in a bank um, with all my experience. And uh, what I realized is that Nigeria is definitely run on who you know, and I knew nobody. Um, so other than my own, hmm. so... I actually then just interned for my uncle's uh, cable company. So I'm just going to be honest there that, you know, the connection did come into play, right. um, meaning that, that was how I was able to even just make it worth my while was to have a connection. But uh, it was very hard. Interesting. So here you are in, in Nigeria, in Lagos, and you're interning with your uncle. And I'm sure at the back of your mind, you're waiting for this to be done so you can go back home. Um, but then you have an experience that totally alters the rest of, you know, your time there and, and indeed, you know, your future. So can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, the experience that, that led you to, to, to decide to stay, to actually stay in Nigeria? Um, yeah. So, you know, interning with my uncle's company was amazing. You know, like this is a company that had started before um, DSTV, before any of these other players. Um, I got to fly around um, Nigeria, but then also Dubai and see how this company was being run, but also see how Nigerian Mm. companies don't scale very easily, right? So was in Port Harcourt and realized like, wow, you know, you've got a ton of people that are just sleeping right. on their desk that are from the village or something. Are they actually really pushing 
toward your agenda or are they just like sleeping on your money and your company? And so my suggestion to my uncle was to fire everybody. I said, fire half, fire majority of the people, let's streamline Mm. the operations. And so, you know, I came in with that business school, just kind of (laughs) of like, let's just scatter this whole place, you know, realign it, you know, efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. And he actually fired me. Oh, wow. And said, you don't understand Nigeria. And I said, okay, maybe I don't, you know, but so that actually was an interesting thing because you realize then that the motivations for businesses are not um, what you learn in business school uh, in emerging markets, right? So that was my first big lesson. Um, And, but that being said, 2013 in Nigeria was an exciting place to be. You know, and in Nigeria, you hmm. get access to people that you hmm. would never get access to. Um, I remember seeing George Bush walking around the Echo Hotel. <laughs> like, I would right. never see this guy in the United States. But, you know, so so the point is that you just get this access. And hmm. I was hungry to learn. I was hungry to meet people. Um, I got connected through family, friends. Um, to a um, ex-oil and gas executive. Um, and as a younger business school right. you know, person, I said, you've spent all your career in oil and gas, but you know, Nigeria doesn't have any power, right? So okay. clearly we should be looking at renewable energy sources and other ways to allow power to get to the masses. And to my surprise, he said, well, then Hmm. just build it then. And so, you know, he was my first business partner. um, And it was just literally that easy um, of just saying, like, look, let's let's explore some new options of how to get power to the people. And and here's an opportunity for me to leverage his contacts and his network um, to build my own solar company. I'm not an engineer. I have no clue, but I'm going to figure it out. And so it's that type of experience that was, right. it's just impo- almost impossible in the United States. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's that type of experience that made me say my ticket is supposed to leave. I'm supposed to leave this country, you know, got to figure mm. out a way to stay. Right. And so in that time, though, um, one of the friends that I had made that was right. taking me around and showing me Nigeria, um, which mm-hmm. which I was, you know, so interested in learning about, um, he actually passed away from taking a fake medication. And that opened my eyes to this idea that people are living in Nigeria with this concept that they may or may not get a real medication if they go to the pharmacy Mm. or the the doctor. And that that was just something that everybody knew and was resigned to. And so that stuck with me in the back of my head as I was trying to figure out what my path was. Um, That's not fair. That that he was a great Mm. person, didn't deserve that. And that if he had lived in the U.S. like his Mm. other family members, he would be alive today. Right. And, and so what is the value of life in a Nigerian context, in an African context? Why are Nigerians of people that they don't deserve to live? And so those were some of the themes that were in the back of my head 
um, as I was navigating Nigeria through the business perspective. Mm. So as you're having that thought process and trying to build up a, a viable business case around it, you set up a company called Vitamins NG. What, what was that about? Yeah. So the concept of Medzaf, so Medzaf is a platform to help healthcare stakeholders purchase, manage, and track medications. Um, that was always the original concept. Okay. Um, but thought was, well, how are you going to get people who are used to going to the market to and touching and feeling something, how do you get them to purchase online? Right. And so I was inspired by, um, I had embedded myself within the tech community um, and was inspired by the Congas, the Jumias, you know, the other tech companies, right. uh, e-commerce companies that were rising at the same time and showing us that potentially people could do things completely different than they've done in the past using technology. And so that was a very inspirational time mm. for me to be in Nigeria. Um, now, I'm not a doctor or a pharmacist. So I have to figure right. out, okay, well, what do I actually have access to um, as a healthcare entrepreneur from the United States? What do I have access to that can help me, you know, start to understand or learn a little bit more about this market so that I can create a viable product? Mm. Um, so as I have home healthcare agencies in the U.S., um, I know that using those types of connections from a U.S. perspective, that I can get access to um, medications with a doctor or pharmacist, but by myself, I can definitely easily get vitamins and supplements, right? Hmm. That was where vitamins.ng came from, which is just, okay, what can I put up now to kind of test the uh, probability that someone that's never seen you, never heard of you, will go on your website, purchase something, and actually consume it. Um, so that was a test of right. the market itself. What does it take to actually get a, medic, uh, a, a vitamin or supplement from your warehouse directly to the person? Um, so that's where I tested out logistics, uh, logistics partnerships, um, mm. Facebook, Instagram marketing, um, as um, just some of the operational processes that need to be in place to get someone their their product within a couple of days. And so that was a a great experiment to understand um, how to build the greater MedZaf concept um, at at that point in time with the team that I had, because I didn't have a team. It was just me at at that point in time. So what what does MedSaf mean? Um, so MedSaf is Meds Africa Meds Safe, and it's a play on that, right? Um, MedSaf is all about the fact that quality medication is a fundamental human right, and that's what we stand for. Mm. And so in that, that means that safe and quality medications should be available to the end consumer, the the patient. Um, and so I did a deep analysis of the supply chain to figure out where's right. the weaknesses. How is it that a medication can come from Pfizer, Sanofi, or Merck and and then end up being compromised? And so it was within that, you know, deep dive research while I'm doing other things that I found the you know some of the weaknesses within the chain. And so Medzaf built to support those weaknesses within the supply chain in the context of a 
Nigeria, but also other emerging markets, um, so that the end result would be that regardless of what the motivation is, doctor or procurement pharmacist or you know hospital uh, pharmacy or pharmacy itself is dispensing quality and safe medication. Interesting. So, so your clients are the pharmacies and hospitals? At this point, the, our clients are, but we do actually, uh, especially in this COVID-19 reality, we've expanded even to direct-to-customer or direct-to-consumer sales. So uh, right now at Medzaf, our, we mostly sell to hospitals and pharmacies, majority mm-hmm. hospitals, but we now also sell directly to patients as well. That's interesting. That was one of my, I was going to come to that question. Um, we might as well just just talk about it now. Um, I was going to, to ask about the, the impact of COVID on your business, on your business model and on your, on your um, clients. So basically because of COVID, you've had to, to, to change your business model slightly. That's what you're saying, right? Um, well, so the reality of Menzef is that we were a bit before our time. Um, back in 2016, 17, the average hospital or pharmacy did not see the need to go onto a website and purchase medications. That was just not in the DNA of, or that's just not in their thought process. Um, right. Our biggest competitor is the open drug market, which is where you can go, touch the medications, feel them and put them in your bag and then take them out, right? So that, that's what we were up against. How do you get older people who've done something a certain way for most of their life to change their habit using technology? That was an extreme, um, that was an extreme hurdle that we had to overcome at the time. So we were actually perfectly suited for COVID-19 because now supply chains have been disrupted. Um, people can't leave they now want to find another way to get yes. their medications. And we've spent at this point three years teaching our clients that they can go on our platform and actually purchase their medications and, and get everything that they need. So we were perfectly aligned and suited for COVID-19. I think what the other point of, of what we've done hmm. over the last three years is actually build a brand, a brand that means quality. And so because we'd focused so much on building a brand, people knew about it. And so we started to get many requests um, Mm. to supply PPE, but also medications, um, which just forced us to uh, expand into that type of category faster than we would have without COVID-19. So I wouldn't say that we've changed any business model or changed any. It's more that we've been forced to speed up our timelines on certain um, pieces of our business faster than we would have previously if if it wasn't for COVID. Thanks for explaining that. So just to understand how how MedZaf works. So basically for the the pharmacies and the the hospitals, they go online and do they or do they buy medication wholesale? Do they get a discount for buying it from you as opposed to the open market? Um, I know that the, the benefits of um, authentic drugs is a big deal, um, but I imagine that price is is also another issue. So, so how does it actually work, and what benefit do you bring to to the um, hospitals and pharmacies? Um, yeah, so you know, it's really just about 
you know, there's a two ends of the supply chain that have trouble, right? So there's hospitals and pharmacies who have to purchase thousands of different types of SKUs um, from different types of manufacturers uh, from not only within Nigeria, but globally. Um, 70% of all medications sold in Nigeria are imported um, due to, you know, other challenges as just as just as local manufacturing is, a ch- as we all know, local manufacturing is a challenge. Um, so for all of the different issues or medical issues that a Nigerian would have to to deal with, um, there just isn't enough local manufacturing to cover those needs. So importation is huge yeah. here. Um, there's a massive black market as well um, due to restrictions from a governor- government perspective of importation, et cetera, et cetera. So lots of issues, lots and lots and lots of issues. Um, on the manufacturer's side, you know, having transparency on where their medications are going and gaining insights from that is also a huge issue. Um, you know, and, mm. and just being because of places like the open drug market, which is like a black box, right? So you've got two sides of right. a supply chain that aren't able to easily reach each other um, in an economical way, right? So MedSaf is the in-between platform that helps these manufacturer medications get uh, sent directly to the hospital. um, And we accommodate for some of the economical reasons why these two players um, have trouble reaching each other. So from a hospital pharmacy perspective, You know, they've got to figure out how to get all their needs in a cost effective way because price is extremely important. Um, as we know, insurance right. is only 1% um, of the population have insurance. Everything is cash and carry. Um, everybody is very price sensitive. So they've got to get the cheapest medication that they can. Um, and, hmm. you know, therein lies um, some of the issues that we see um, from a medication perspective. Um, so in our platform, we're the aggregator. We're already aggregating all of the different needs for this one pharmacy, but spread that out across hundreds right. of pharmacies and hospitals. And then you start to have um, economics that makes sense for the hospital, but also for the manufacturer to drop their price and work with you a bit further. So it was just about, you know, getting that the type of scale that's necessary to beat the open drug market prices and make sure that the medications can get to the hospitals and pharmacies. Um, on the back end, we are doing quality control as a service. Um, the, another right. layer of what we do, quality control, demand planning. We're using the data that we get to make it easier, faster to get those medications directly to the hospital or pharmacy, therefore lowering the bar uh, to work with MedSAF, all the while building a brand that is strengthening hmm. daily uh, that means quality and cost-effective medication that people can trust, um, which then allows hospitals and pharmacies to start to trust us for all for more and more of their medication needs um, versus all of these other sources. So that, in a nutshell, is, is how MedSAP works. So what has the uptake been like in Nigeria? Yeah, so, you know, we have over 400, um, we have over 400 different, um, at institutions, entities that work with MedSAF. Um, during lockdown, we've scaled to Abuja, 
Now we just shipped to Joss, which is our first time, you know, Port Harcourt. So, you know, okay. we are, we're now moving, um, even without having to set up in other cities, um, as we've been in Lagos this whole time. So, um, yeah, you know. So in, in, um, in a lot of the conversations that I have, there are two things that, that kind of run through all these conversations, um, access to capital and scaling. And if you could speak to, to how you were able to raise capital. And I know that you did have some angel, angel investors in the beginning, just how you were able to raise capital in the beginning, what it did for you as a startup and how that is going to help you to scale. I mean, you've already started to do that, but just wondering what your, your plans are um, going forward. Um, yeah, so I had a strategy that may or may not have been the easiest strategy, and that was to raise money from people who I admired for their business acumen worldwide. Right. Um, so I didn't go to family and friends to raise money. Um, you know, I went to business leaders. You know, so for example, uh, an example is Bastian Goddard of one of the founders of Oroco TV. Okay. Right at that time, they were the largest tech company uh, to ever make it in Nigeria. Uh, for an, in a Nigerian context, hmm. uh, right? So I wanted that type of investor. Right. Um, I had investors from Silicon Valley, uh, from New York, uh, from Nigeria, uh, oil and gas. I had my old boss, um, you know, investor invest. You know, you know, basically just bringing people together that are um, successful in their own right hmm. and can now give me some type of guidance. Um, as I'm navigating this world of raising money and scaling this company in such a hard environment. So that was extremely important to me uh, to do it that way. Right. And it has not been the best way. I mean, because it, it took a long time, right? So, um, you know, I, was, I had started working on this um, in 2014, um, mm. you know, so by the time it was 2016 and I was actually ready to actually start raising money, you know, a lot of those conversations took quite a while um, to close, right. uh, which is, was great. Right. Because it's then teaching me um, how to, you know, be a better fundraiser um, in the context of something that's so close to me. Um, and in my head. So I had to get out of my head and figure out how to sell mm. this company in order to gain money. So to date, we've raised about $1.4 million. Um, I was that the later million dollars was much easier to raise than the earlier 320 um, that we mm. um, That was the hardest part. Uh, now it's all about just getting the right investors to get us right. to the next level. So I'm all about just trying to figure out um, how to level up, you know, and who needs to help us get to that next level. Um, MedSaf wants to be the platform for all pharmaceutical transactions mm -hmm. worldwide. So we've got a, we've got a goal on the level of a Facebook or Amazon. So how do we get there? Um, that means that we've got a long road ahead of us and a lot of people need to be involved to, to help us get successful. That's awesome. So what have you learned about yourself in, in over this this four year period, it's four years, right? Yeah, um, I've had to like really just kind of come out and just become this, you know, 
person that just executes, you know, and, and before, as I was traveling, I was very whimsical and just very, you know, just kind of flighty in, in just how I looked at doing things and, and the world. Um, and I always looked at everybody in a very positive light. I would say I've definitely become a bit more Nigerian in uh, just how I analyze people up front. I, I'm definitely more discerning and just more, you know, maybe a bit harder, right? Like, so this place made me much harder than I ever really was uh, growing up in Chicago yeah, in the suburbs, right? So, you know, I was, so this place has hardened me. Um, in the right way, though, in the way that, you know, I don't, no one can really take advantage of me um, in the way that they would have maybe when I was much younger, you know, mm-hmm. as I was quite naive and, and just kind of very open-minded to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in Nigeria, it just kind of makes you a bit more closed um, naturally. Uh, right. And and I definitely... Um, have changed in that way, uh, which I, I'm not going to say if it's good or bad. Right. But as far as the company and the impact of building MedZef on me, I mean, I think that for a life lesson, I mean, this is probably mm-hmm. one of the greatest life lessons that I'll ever, um, I'll ever have. Right. So just, it, it just more so reinforced things that I knew about myself. I knew that I could be a high achiever. I knew that I could create things out of nothing. I knew that I can, you know, do great things. And Medzaf is just a manifestation of all the things that I thought to myself when nobody else believed in me, you know? So I don't necessarily think of Medzaf as mm-hmm. changing me. Um, it's more that it's mm-hmm. just a, um, it's just the, manifestation of what I wanted to to achieve in this world and the legacy that I wanted to leave behind, even when I had no credentials or no mm. thought of even how to achieve that, if that makes sense. It does. And, and just wondering, what has it been like being a woman building a business, a young woman building a business in Nigeria? Yeah. So, I mean, that was always a worry and that was also my worry. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie about it. I mean, you know, for me, you know, the biggest thing for me is that I can't be bought. I can't be anybody's slave. And Mm -hmm. I've always been like that. I think my parents um, would always complain of just how stubborn I was, you know, as a child is just, I, I, you know, I, I forge my own path. I've always been a leader. And so when I came here, Mm -hmm. you know, I was always told these stories of just, you know, how hard it is for women. And I said, look, what if I can stay true to myself as I've stayed true to myself and, and, and taught myself how strong I am as I've traveled by myself around the world, what if I, those, you know, qualities and lessons that I learned, you know, basically building the grit, the resilience um, that I need to have in order to tackle this country. What if I took all those lessons and applied them here to protect myself, but also um, be in front of, um, and also just to Hmm. succeed. Right. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think, by being very strong in your own value system internally, you know, I knew that I could overcome those challenges 
Um, it would be harder, right? It would be harder, but I would be smarter. And so for me, it was more about right. having that in the back of my head in, in everything that I did. You know, how am I going to outsmart them? So you think you're going to have a meeting with me because I'm pretty great. Let me show you <laughs> what that looks like. Right. Show you what that looks like. Right. Uh, you know, let me put you in your place and show you what that looks like. And then let me wow you so much that you even forgot that that was your goal. And now you just want to help MedSAF because you believe in it. Right. And I just honed those skills here in Nigeria. Um, and, and it's been fun, right? Because I've never had any bad experience. In fact, we took everything that is great about being a woman and applied it into our business. So you take the, you know, your strengths and just make it even stronger. Um, and who cares about what other people think? And so that's, that was just kind of my mentality. That is just awesome. That is such an awesome perspective. So, so what's next for Vivian? Um, so I think after Medzaf, I'll join the board, you know, they can continue it. Uh, I'll finally have my children and family and I'll write books and, you know, get back into my creative side, you know, like that, that, uh, you know, you can see bursts of it through Medzaf's journey, um, in that I'm the strategist, I'm the creator, I'm, you know, kind of pushing that energy into Medzaf, but, it's not fully realized um, in this business sense, right? Or in this business aspect. Yeah. So I'll probably push more into that, you know? Um, I recently reread The Alchemist and I remembered that that book, oh. the books that inspired me to start traveling around the world. I want to buy, buy, write a book that m- inspires people to do in, incredible things in their life, you know? Um, and I think that this MedZap journey is just a, a couple chapters, maybe a longer, longer chapters than I thought, you know, in, in this life that will allow me to share with others. And, and, and so that's pretty much where I'm at right now is how can I get to that point where I can kind of just share, um, and inspire and push others to reach their self-actualization, um, psychology, um, and, and, uh, you know, be happy, uh, with their legacies. And, and I think that would probably be a little bit more of my future. That's great. That's absolutely great. Thank you so much, Vivian. Thank you. That was an excellent conversation. Thank you. That was Vivian Walker, CEO of MedZap. According to research, Africa is the most affected region when it comes to counterfeit drugs, and it is estimated that about 116,000 extra people die due to counterfeit malaria drugs alone. MedSAF is a welcome solution in Africa's healthcare space. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you're not yet subscribed to our podcast, please go ahead and do so. We also welcome you to leave us a review so we know how we're doing. I'm Akego Okoye, and you have been listening to African Business Stories.